getting things set up here on the podcast, going to <clears throat> be with you momentarily. Uh, we're going to wrap up, we're going to wrap up our series on China, China, good old people's Republic of Communist China. Um, so before I get Gizzo in here, you get the cigar prepped. Um, there were things I, I said at the start of this, uh, mini series of mine that I wanted everyone out there to mind and keep. And that was him. Get my notebook out here. So, whose job is it to police China? Who? Let me rattle my cigar wrapper while I do that. Should the United Nations, <laughs> the joke that it is, be in charge of uh, sanctioning China? Uh why doesn't the UN sanction China for uh, erroneous human rights violations? Uh, also, we, everybody on earth knows that the current virus pandemic started in China. It's not a, a question in anyone's mind. And China has been reluctant to work with UN researchers, but money talks and dead bodies don't walk. Um, money talks and BS walks. Uh, China is the second biggest contributor, maybe bigger contributor, depending on who's in charge in the United States. Uh, but anyways, they're right up there with us when it comes to UN contributions contributions to the World Health Organization and such. So money talks and baloney stuffings walk, as I always say. And you've got a very large economic power in China. You have uh, even you know United States millionaires and billionaires bowing the knee to China because of their uh, broad market, we'll say, their um, buying and spending power, the uh, National Basketball Association, which when I, when I was a kid, uh, you know, the NBA had basically far surpassed baseball as America's pastime, and it was on equal ground with uh, the NFL. Uh, both of those sports uh, seem to be fading in the, in the United States. Um, but nonetheless, you know, China has a big market for the NBA. And when the Hong Kong protests were going on, you could get... Uh, it was around the same time that uh, George Floyd overdosed whoops, in police custody and died in the United States, 
and you could get a customized NBA jersey with the political action slogan of your choice on the back. Yes, Haley, you could. My dog was yawning. And uh, you get any slogan you wanted, except one. Guess what one? You couldn't get free Hong Kong put on the back of your NBA jersey. Now, I'm sure there's some, you know, bootleg way of doing it, but if you went to, you know, NBA.com, this is my impression of me typing on a computer, uh, and you go to NBAshop.com or whatever it's called, want your customized NBA jersey, and you type in free Hong Kong and it refuses to enter it into the system. Why? Because that would offend China. So what, what are the repercussions of China, for China, for, you know, what they're doing with the Uyghur Muslims, what they're doing with Tibet, Hong Kong, Taiwan? These places all want to be free from the Chinese authoritarian communist government. They have right to be free, right? Now, I've heard recently, you know, the Chinese government has uh, loaded Hong Kong's um, parliament or government with its own, with people that are uh, on board with the Chinese Communist Party. So Hong Kong's basically, basically going to be SOL shortly. But who polices China in this? Who? 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 Who are you? Okay, I'll stop singing. <laughs> Get to lighting the ceremonial cigar. Play a little guitar jam for you. And I'm going to finish this series up with uh, China's 100-year plan to surpass the United States as the world hegemon and uh, assert global power, domination, economically and whatever elsely they can while my dog wipes her butt on the carpet this uh, wrap up I'm going to put my spectacles back on so I can read this easily um I, I, I um, um there's a book out there by a fellow named Michael Pillsbury not the Doughboy uh, called the 100 year marathon China's secret step secret strategy to replace the United States as the global superpower. And I think it's uh, key there to say the global superpower. 
uh, right now, United States is clearly atop the world. You know, everything runs through the United States. Our economy and our dollar are backed up by a little-known thing called the petrodollar, petroleum. The world has to base the value of petroleum on the U.S. dollar, and that props up the U.S. dollar a little bit. That's a whole other thing you can search out, um, search petrodollar and learn about that on your own. But uh, China wants to surpass us. The United, This article I found, it's on gunnewsdaily.com, but it's things I've read and heard other places. I found a good Forbes magazine article, but it was too op-eddy. Uh, and I, this has the power, the kind of bullet points that help me to guide me through this. Uh, the, okay, so the article says, The United States is under the assumption China's economy and society is not stable. And that they need constant support from the United States. The United States also believes that China wants to embrace Western values and that increasing engagement with China will bring cooperation from the Communist Party. Now, I believe that your citizens in China are good people. Uh, I believe the citizens of uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, um, and Tibet, more Hong Kong than and Taiwan than any other, than Tibet, I mean, but they... They all want to, you know, embrace Western culture, want to embrace uh, Americana. They want to be like the United States and be free. Uh, but China, even though it's not ruled by, you know, dictators and dynasties anymore, the Communist Party there is just as powerful as any, you know, family dynasty that's ever ruled China. And probably with just as much, if not more, of an iron fist. <clears throat> the article goes on to say, These misconceptions lull the United States into complacency. All of this is in Michael Pillsbury's book, The 100-Year Marathon, China's Secret Strategy to Replace the United States as the Global Superpower. Uh, since 90... Going to this Michael Pillsbury briefly here. Pillsbury's worked uh, since 1969, has studied China. Uh, when he was 24, he joined the United States, the United Nations, pardon me, Ge Secretary General's office as a political affairs officer. Um, he worked with the CIA, FBI to gather intel on Chinese-Soviet relations, the so United Soviet Socialist Republic, USSR, broadly known as Russia, although Russia is not as big as the USSR used to be. Um, this uh, Pillsbury, again, not the doughboy, is fluent in Mandarin, 
which is the Chinese national language. And that's helped him uh, have a place in shaping uh, United States relations with China since the Carter administration. Um, after years of encouraging peaceful relations between the two countries, Pillsbury has fallen out of favor because, of it, because he is skeptical of China. Now we get into China's 100-year plan. China's 100-year plan has nine phases. Making the United States complacent is the first phase. So first is let us believe that we are so far above the rest of the world, including China and mainly China, that no one will ever replace us. And that's, that's kind of where a lot of us are in America, isn't it? Uh, as I gulp my water. We, uh, you know, we do, I believe we're the greatest nation on earth, but I do believe we're vulnerable too. And I think we need to continue to grow economically, militarily, but in, in different ways than the traditional standing army. Uh, and we, we have to con constantly grow, bring in new people, but legally, and bring in the best of the population around the world. You know, the, the Albert Einsteins, the scientists, the, the writers, the researchers, people like that, to continue to stay a cut above the rest of the world. Anyways, back to China. Step two of their plan is to manipulate United States advisors. Whoa. Well, there's a pretty big advisor who's been pretty damn manipulated by China in the Oval Office right now. Uh, the Biden crime family, it is, as it is affectionately known. Uh, and they manipulated the Clintons as well. Uh, and Clinton's manipulated the American people, but that's a whole nother deal. Uh, you know, the, these people all thought that, uh, you know, let let China in, buy Chinese products, have these ridiculous trade deals with China. Uh, and my goodness, the, the workers' rights in China are horrific, uh, horrendous. And that's why some of our products are so inexpensive. Uh, and why Nike and iPhone or Apple, whatever you want to call it, make such huge profits. Um, you know, these products are made in sweatshops uh, by sometimes underage children, sometimes by Uyghur Muslim slave labor, and sometimes just straight up people that the Chinese government says, uh, you disagree with us? Okay, your job is now laboring in a factory the rest of your life. Or you're going to be nothing but a factory worker. This is your place in life. Um, it says the third thing is to be patient. Very, very wise. Chinese people are very wise. Uh, unfortunately, the Chinese Communist Party is wise and cunning. You know, this current... Look at the United States. Every four or eight years, we change presidents, right? So that president has to run a sprint 
to get as much accomplished as he can in his four years. This uh, G that's running China right now, he don't care. His, his goal is 2049. What's 2049? It's the 100 year anniversary of the communist revolution in China. And that's the year they've set to say, we want to surpass the United States this year. We want this to be our grandiose year. Celebrated with, you know, China makes the best fireworks. They invented fireworks. Uh, but beside that, you know, celebrate with fireworks and ringing bells and brouhaha. Probably some of those really cool Chinese dragons where the people are underneath, the, you know, like 10 people underneath the dragon costume. And they dance anyways. Um, so that's the third phase. Be patient. This leader of China is not in a sprint to get the most done he can in four years or one year or whatever. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to be the leader for so long. I have to groom the next set of leaders, brainwash them, whatever. And then they'll take over when I'm dead or whatever. Okay. Fourth is to steal ideas and technology from the United States. Gee, we've never heard that before. Uh, you know, they take technology, they reverse engineer it, and they use it. Uh, they either, you know, sell a cheap knockoff to us. They, you know, I remember in the Clinton years, there was this big deal of Oh, Bill Clinton sold American supercomputers to China. And these uh, supercomputers could be, like, used to uh, create atomic weapons. But not just create them. They could map out the destruction of the atomic weapon without you having to actually detonate one to see what would happen or something like that. Uh, but anyways, who cares that, you know, we sold them, they sat, they sat in a warehouse in China, was, I think it was on 60 Minutes, a government propaganda show, uh, news show, uh, and, well, they were just sitting in a warehouse in China, you know, that, who cares, uh, well, we got them back, we got them back, doesn't matter, they reverse engineer the technology, and then they make their own. And this is important because the future of warfare is going to be cyber war, cyber attacks. We'll get into that later. Um, the fifth is remember to remember military is not the critical factor. This is where you know the the Soviet Union failed. They got into an arms race with the United States. The problem was the United States is such, was such, is such uh, an economic power. We just outspent Russia. They said, okay, we said, okay, Russia, you build, you know, new tanks. We're going to build new tanks. You build better tanks. We'll build a better tank than your better tank. And Russia, because they were communist and didn't really trade with the outside world, Eventually, they just ran out of money and resources. Okay? 
So military is not a critical factor. More about that later. The sixth is to know that the United States will take reckless and extreme actions to continue being the only world, the only superpower country in the world. And that's true. What did I say? Every president has four years and he has to do everything he can in that four years or eight years, uh, maybe if he gets reelected, to make sure the United States stays number one. So the United States is in a sprint where China is in a marathon. Now, I like our system of government. This isn't anything radical. I'm just quoting Thomas Jefferson. But every so often, the, what was it, the tree of freedom, the tree of liberty, needs to be fertilized with the blood of tyrants and patriots. And, you know, that's how our elections are. When we vote out one person or party that is not living up to our American standard, we're fertilizing that tree of liberty. I'm not talking about violent revolutions, okay? Uh, but I'm saying we, we keep things churning here in America so they're always fresh. But keeping that freshness keeps us in a sprint mode where we want to be on top today, tomorrow, and forever, but we think we have to get it accomplished today. Okay? Um... The sixth is to know that the not okay, I already said that. The seventh is to never lose sight of she. S H I. I don't know what she means. Uh, the eighth is guess I should have done more research. Um the eighth is to establish and employ metrics. The eighth is to establish and employ metrics for comparing China's status to the status of challengers. So they want to see who is their challenger, who is going to challenge them as the hegemon, uh, the world leader. Uh, is it going to be the United States? Well, who's going to come up behind the United States? How do we, you know, go after them? You know, what do we do? Uh, you know, and much of this is why they've built 100 or are building 150 coal fire power plants in developing nations. And not only are they building the power plants, they're sending their labor force to build them and to work in them. That spreads Chinese culture around the world. But it also keeps Chinese uh, workers, employees employed. Right? So, this guy will be over in, uh, I believe it's Pakistan, where they're building one of these coal fire power plants. He'll be over there building the power plant, working hard, sending the money back to his family in China. But all the while, they're keeping their people employed and they're keeping an eye on what's going on in Pakistan and these other countries, and they are spreading their culture to these countries.
Very smart. Ninth is avoid being trapped by others by being vigilant. China knows the best way to uh, usurp, usurp the United States is to keep the United States in the dark about their secret, unofficial, unwritten hundred-year plan. So, again, secrecy is always key in communism and specifically in the Chinese Communist Party. They don't let a lot of information out. They've kicked out foreign media companies um, over the years for finding out too much. Um, now that was, I think it was North Korea. But, like, sometimes, like, foreign journalists or just goofy American kids thinking they're going to sneak into China and find something and become famous by reporting it. Um, I can't, who is it? There's a couple young ladies caught, you know, sneaking into China uh, across the border and were tossed into, you know, Chinese prison. Uh, and I think Bubba Clinton had to go over there and rescue them out. Anyways, uh, that was like back in the 90s and maybe early 2000s. Uh, China was the silent observer during the Cold War. Now, this is important. This is like the whole secrecy, the whole we're watching you watch us watch you thing. China was a secret observer during the Cold War era. It watched the United States and the Soviet Union battle before allying itself with the United States to take down the USSR. During the Cold War, China approached Nixon about being allies during the Cold War, not the other way around. This was to defeat the Soviet Union. So you go back to their plan, deploy metrics for comparing China's status and the status of its challengers. So Russia, or the Soviet Union at the time, was a challenger to China. And so China allied itself with the United States because it was pretty clear uh, outside the American propaganda machine that lied to the American people and said we were losing the the missile building uh, war with Russia, like the war to have the most missiles, like how many nuclear missiles do you really need? Uh, you know, it only takes one to blow up a city, so uh, more than a city, actually. Uh, anyhow, but, you know, America, the American propaganda machine told its people we were uh, losing this arms race with Russia and that's why we had to keep arming, 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 and fighting all these wars like Vietnam and North and South Korea and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, we have to beat the Soviet Union. And eventually by the time Nixon got in there, China saw that things were tipping to, towards the United States. And... In order to
in order to eventually be a rival of the United States and then surpass the United States, they had to leapfrog uh, the Soviet Union or Russia. So, the United, uh, it goes on, you know, the United States was also wooed by China. President George H.W. Bush was very apologetic apologetic about China and continued to trade with them even after the Tiananmen Square incident. Uh, those of you too young to remember, a, a, a group of young college students in China were like, this is screwed up. We don't want to live under communism. This is terrible. And they protested in the, the, town, the city square of the Chinese capital and the Chinese government just sent in tanks and the army and there's a very famous picture of this young Chinese college student standing almost at attention as a tank rolled up to him and ran his ass over oh my god one of one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life I think it was it's just nuts but this boy, young man, college age, you know, what, what, how old are you when you're in college? 18 to 22? Stood there and let a tank roll him over as a, a martyr to the freedom that the Chinese people wanted. Uh, you know, like, and this is one thing to always keep in, like, the back or side or wherever in your mind, wherever you keep things in your mind. Any nation that calls itself the People's Republic of blank, like the People's Republic of China, usually doesn't treat its people very well, and the people usually don't have much freedom like we do in the United States, the U.S. of A. Um, so, just to recap it a little bit, China knows not to get into an arms race with the United States. Uh, by watching the downfall of the Soviet Union. Rather, reverse engineer technology that the U.S. is reliant upon uh, and then launch cyber attacks. Now, my opinion is the United States government, the president, the, you know, all of them, the government businesses, our military should have analog, aka old-fashioned backup systems in case the technology we rely on goes down, in case there's a, a major cyber attack and, you know, our satellites aren't there. Uh, how does our military, you know, get around? Uh, for a simple example, the United States was very reliant on GPS during the Iraq invasion. And during that liberation of Iraq in 2003 with George W., uh, the Russians had given Saddam Hussein's army GPS jamming devices so our soldiers would get lost in the middle of the desert. And so it's like... Do they should know how to use a map and a compass to back up 
the GPS that they're reliant on. You know, uh, in case that technology or, or our satellites or whatever go down, get hacked, get destroyed. Um, the biggest problem, in my opinion, that China will have is they're not America. Uh, even though we are eroding away at Americana with garbage like the, the Equality Act and the uh, HR1 bill that's just an attack on voting rights, um, we're teaching you know, sensitivity training while China is teaching masculinity training to their young men. Uh, they're teaching their people to be tough, to be masculine. We're trying to feminize our males um, and different, totally different thing. But, you know, it just kind of reminds me of the way Americans are eroding away at our own culture and our own strengths. Um, reminds me of, you know, the way the Soviet Union said we will destroy you from within. Uh Presidents from Lincoln to Reagan have always said that America will be destroyed from within, you know, with this, you know, soft political correct culture with um, the, the just the weakening of our American values, you know, taking away from uh, being proud to be an American to be now it's like. If you're a proud American, you're a white nationalist, and you're the worst thing next to Hitler and the Antichrist. You're worse than them, even. Uh, and this is what America is doing to itself, while places like China are building up. Now... I'm not saying we should try to be like China. I think we should constantly try to be the polar opposite of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, take, for example, there are people in the state of Oregon that want to join with the people of the state of Iowa. They should be allowed to do that if they vote to do it. But you have the opposite problem where... Hong Kong wants to be free of the Chinese Communist Party and they're being held back from that. Okay, you in the United States were called, you know, the great melting pot where all these different cultures come together and add to the mixture and then that becomes American culture. Well, in China, they're taking, you know, the Uyghur Muslims and saying, no, you have to speak Mandarin. You have to uh, worship the Chinese government. You have to be a communist. And then if you do, if you meet those criteria, we'll get you a nice job in a sweatshop where you can work for pennies an hour making iPhones and tennis shoes and NBA jerseys. Ain't communism grand. So, man, 
God bless y'all. Thanks for listening to me for over 30 minutes. But I think this is important to get this information out there. Nothing against the Chinese people. I don't even mind America having rivalries because rivalries make us stronger. Competition builds character. But do you want to be surpassed and do you want to be a subservient culture to the Chinese Communist Party? And they're not looking at today, tomorrow, next week. They're looking for 2049. Now, I know Joe Biden has you know, set future goals for the United States when it comes to uh, being uh, greenhouse gas free, carbon free. Uh, no, that's not the type of goal. That's the uh, the thing here where it says, you know, China's goal is to be patient, and they know that the United States will be rec will take reckless and extreme action to continue being the only superpower. You know, twenty thirty five for carbon free, and that's not going to make us the superpower. But I'm just giving an example. That's still a sprint goal. You're still sprinting towards that. Where China's slow and methodically, okay, America, have your little fun. Have your President Trump. Yeah, he, he, you know, uh, did some good things. You know, he got us on some trade deals, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's fine, America. We're still looking at, you know, 2049 um, and 100 years after that and 100 years after that. So have your little fun. This is what their Chinese Communist Party is thinking. Alright, I gotta wrap this up. There are links in the description on Rumble and YouTube to some other articles you might find interesting. Uh, I'm gonna check out this Michael Pillsbury Doughboy's book. Uh... The 100-Year Marathon, China's Secret Strategy to Replace the United States as Global Superpower. And uh, God bless y'all. Pray for each other. And uh, think. Think for yourself. I hope you learned something. But more, more importantly, I hope you learned to think. God bless you. Goodbye. Happy Easter. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Happy Hanukkah, whatever the hell you celebrate. Have a nice day.